grandfather. Help me see the way. Leave me alone. I was busy playing Sabbath with Obi-Wan and Yoda. Oh, cruising around the galaxy in your TIE Fighter, I will. Yes! <laughs> they just beat me and won my custom TIE Fighter. I need to get it back. That's, uh, not what I expected. Welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me live in studio for the first time in almost two years is our resident Star Wars expert, Paul. Paul, welcome back. Hey, Scott. It's great to be back. Well, here we are now so close to the release date of Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, that we can now count down the weeks instead of the months, and finally, we now get the official trailer. Now, way back in April, we got our first taste of this movie with the, quote, official teaser that was released at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando. And we broke down every bit of that teaser on an episode of our podcast, along with Hamish. Please check that out in our archives, because it'll tie into this. But we had that teaser back in April, and then we waited, and then we waited, and then we waited... By this point last year, I was looking, we already had a, a Rogue One teaser, we had a trailer, we had multiple other looks, but nothing to that point, you know, this year from The Last Jedi. So, thanks to a tip tweeted out by Mark Hamill, we were alerted to the premiere of the trailer during ESPN coverage of Monday Night Football, a uh, really exciting game between the Bears and the Vikings, Monday, October 9th, 2017. Did you watch that game at all? I did watch that game, Scott, um, and not just to see this trailer. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I kept checking, kept checking YouTube, kept checking uh, Reddit and other sources, wondering when are we going to see another trailer drop? I mean, it was just months and months going by. And I mean, sure, we don't need to see another trailer to, to hype this movie up anymore. You know, like everyone's talking about it. Everyone's looking forward to it. But we wanted to see something. And that teaser trailer had just, you know, whetted our appetite and, and we wanted more. And I think it was very evil of Disney to make us wait this long. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you kind of get nervous when it takes that long to get another trailer out. They're going, oh, well, is there not enough filmed yet? Or are they afraid of leaking too much? And then, of course, you look at Rogue One. We spent all that time, did so many episodes talking about Rogue One. None of that stuff ended up being in the movie, practically. So, you know, who knows? Now, uh, as we talked about in April, uh, most of the cast of Episode 7, The Force Awakens, will be returning, along with the late Carrie Fisher, in what we presume is her last film role. Uh, if you remember in the episode about the teaser, we were talking about some of the rumors at the time that uh, some footage might be used for Episode 9, and then Lucasfilm kind of backpedaled on that. And I've also heard that they said that they're not going to use a CGI Carrie Fisher, and then after, of course, Rogue One, I'm guessing that's, you know, probably a good call. That was a little creepy. But uh, it raises some questions that we'll get into a little later. All right, so let's get right into this trailer. So we have our first scene here. We see a figure in front of a window. It's at like a First Order base or maybe some sort of shipyard or manufacturing plant. Uh, I'm guessing this is Kylo Ren. This looks like him. Yes, it definitely looks like Kylo Ren without his mask. Um, he's looking over some sort of docking bay. We see 
lots of ATAT walkers stacked one on top of the other, other machinery, other equipment by the First Order. This might be Snoke's ship. Supposedly, he has a massive ship. We haven't seen it in any of the trailers yet, but it's so big that Star Destroyers, like several of them, can just dock with it. And so that may be a scene from inside Snoke's ship. All right. And so when we get this scene, it's the beginning of a quote by, I'm assuming, uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. And he says, when I found you, and dot, 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 because we don't have to uh, continue the quote yet. It, we next go to the scene of walkers and uh, we see a shuttle on a white planet approaching what looks like cliffs. Well, thanks to uh, information from profiles that they've posted on StarWars.com, we now know that these are called ATM-6 walkers. Uh, these are uh, the, the next generation of the AT-ATs, you know, and uh, of course, everything helps to sell more toys if the vehicles are, are different. We kind of wondered if this was like salt flats or snow or what the deal was here. Uh, we now know that this is a planet called Crait, C-R-A-I-T. It does look like snow, but the official information says that it's a mineral planet dusted by a layer of white salt. It's a planet that was once a Rebel Alliance outpost, but has now become a haven for the fleeing resistance. Yeah, my uh, research turned up similar information, Scott. Um, this planet Crate is uh, supposedly a resistance stronghold, and here we see the First Order attacking it. We see these... ATM-6s that you mentioned. Their full name is All-Terrain Mega Caliber 6. What's cool about this shot, uh, it took me a couple views to notice, but there are standard AT-ATs in the shot as well um, that we're used to from seeing in Episode 5 and Episode 6. And you see that these new ATM-6s really tower over the AT-ATs. They're bigger and stronger. I forget if, I, I might just be making this up on my own, but I almost want to say uh, someone has nicknamed these the Gorilla Walkers, because the way their front um, legs look, it almost looks like they're walking on their fists like a gorilla will. Yeah, yeah. Also, you'll take notice there's this huge cannon up above its head, like coming out of its back or its neck. And uh, I think that's its main weapon. It still has the cannons on the front, like the AT-ATs, but it has this really powerful cannon on its back as well. And then, too, we see flying overhead uh, what looks to be Kylo Ren's personal shuttle that we saw in Episode 7. Uh, someone else pointed out, too, that there's, like, ridges on the legs of those walkers, and it's like, well, because that, now they can't be brought down by tow ropes, you know, to, like, cut them or something, you know, I don't know. I just think it's supposed to be like a, a meaner looking design. And like you said, the cannons, those are protecting the spot in the Atari game that would blow up the walkers. You know, do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. So yeah, if that's Kylo Ren's shuttle, that'll connect to something we see a little later, just uh, in the next scene. Uh, the quote from Snoke continues, I saw raw. So, you know, when I found you, I saw raw dot dot dot. And that brings us to the next scene. It's an overhead shot of Kylo Ren. We see some troopers in white behind him. They're entering a black and red crystalline-looking cave. I, I don't know. Is this Crate? Is this still the same planet? It's possible. I mean, it really looks volcanic. 
Um, we know that we did see under those salt flats or mineral flats, whatever they are, we did see red soil. So it's possible that this could be within that resistance stronghold, but it could be another planet altogether. What struck me in this scene is uh, th there's a lot of red used in this movie, a lot of black and red and white, which is cool imagery. But what really stood out to me, and I'm sorry to all our listeners ahead of time to reference that horrible movie episode three, but uh, <laughs> it looks a lot like that same shot of Anakin marching with the clone troopers into the Jedi temple to slaughter younglings. So hopefully uh, this will have a better outcome. <laughs> But um, but it is a really nice shot of those white troopers. I don't know if those are snow troopers or or flamethrower troopers or another one entirely that we haven't seen yet. Salt troopers, <laughs> possibly. Yeah, like I noticed what you said too, and you know, you hate to connect it to the uh, the prequels, but they're doing a good job of borrowing imagery from the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, you know, and doing something a little better with it. But yeah, we definitely see the black and red motif. And that's going to symbolize the Sith and the dark side and all that. So, yeah, I mean, this would make sense if it was crate, like if it was underneath, because we saw what you think might be his personal shuttle. So it could be him landing with, uh, you know, a whole bunch of mineral troopers or whatever these new action figure guys are called. Uh, so after this, after he walks in, we hear untamed power. So that's the next part of the quote. So in our next scene, we get this profile shot of a helmeted Kylo Ren. He's picking up a black lightsaber. And again, like you said, black, and then we get the red background behind him. It's almost a solid red behind him. And so we, we see his lightsaber on the ground as he picks it up. We can get a better look at it here. I believe this is new, this, this lightsaber, right? Yeah, I mean, we didn't really get a close look at his lightsaber hilt in episode 7, I don't think. I'm assuming it will have the same design with those two cross pieces. But I don't think we've seen him use it in the trailers for episode 8 yet. What's cool about this scene is, again, all the red and black. You see his hand reaching down to pick up this black hilt of a lightsaber. But then you see in the background the reflection on the floor. And you see the bottom part of figures in red. And these are probably... Um, Snoke's personal guard, the Praetorian guard that we've seen action figures for and we've seen images of. And it's possible that this might be a training sequence. Perhaps Snoke is working on Kylo trying to improve his lightsaber skills after he was bested by Rey, um, who had very, very little time with a lightsaber. So that might be what we see here. That would be pretty cool to see if it is. Yeah, and I think all the information that's come out about his lightsaber in the previous movies, like, he kind of made it himself. I mean, it looks nice, but there is some shoddy workmanship here. I mean, we see the, the wires kind of sticking out and almost soldered to the side of it and stuff. So, yeah, it's like an improvised lightsaber. Yeah, it was, uh, it was unstable, and that's why he supposedly needed those two side ports to uh, somehow uh, make it so it wouldn't blow up in his hand. <laughs> so the quote continues... And beyond that, and then it cuts to black, and then it continues, something truly special. So, uh, the whole quote from Snoke throughout all these scenes now is, When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power, and beyond that, something truly special. Now, after he says that, 
we get this scene of Rey igniting Luke's blue lightsaber on the planet in which she met Luke. That's Octo, right? That's what it's called? Octo, I believe. All right, so this this kind of raises some questions here. Uh, again, Disney, as we've learned now through two other movies, they'll mess with us big time in these trailers. So we can't put too much into this. But the trailer seems to imply that Rey is the something special that's connected to Kylo Ren that Snoke is referring to. So what do you think about that? Yeah, they like to use a lot of misdirection in these trailers, and that's good. I mean, other movies, they spoil the whole plot in their trailers, and I hate that. So we don't know if Snoke is talking about Kylo Ren um, when he's talking about this power in him and this raw potential, or is he talking about Rey? Um, It'll be interesting to see which of those two characters he's really referring to when when those words are spoken in the movie. Normally, I wouldn't be too nervous about this stuff, but Ryan Johnson, the director, came out and was like, yeah, don't watch any trailers. You know, so I'm wondering, you know, is he just kind of playing along with this? Or is he really warning the fans that maybe you'll get a little more information than he would like you to have? Uh, If that's the case, you know, maybe if there is a connection that Snoke saw something uh, special beyond Kylo Ren, and that was Rey. How are the two connected? They don't seem to be really connected other than kidnapped her and then because he wanted the map and then, you know, ended up fighting her and stuff. Could they be brother and sister? We don't know, but this (laughs) is the middle movie of a trilogy, and we usually learn about family relations in those movies. So uh, we'll see if that follows the same pattern. Well, I mean, regardless of their connections, I almost get the sense here that Kylo Ren is being played by Snoke to get to Rey, or at least maybe Kylo Ren is a suitable apprentice, but Rey would be much better. And that could be like an interesting parallel to the Palpatine, Vader, Luke situation in the original trilogy. And again, dare I say it, the Palpatine, Count Dooku, Anakin situation in uh, Revenge of the Sith. And I guess from what they've established now, it's part of the course for the Sith leader to try to upgrade the apprentice, since now they have to maintain George Lucas's, you know, rule of two that uh, was established in, again, I'm saying the Phantom Menace. So uh, I I guess the question is, does Ryan Johnson, J.J. Abrams, Disney, Lucasfilm, all those guys have it in them to surprise fans by subverting this triangle that we've seen twice before and letting Rey get seduced by the dark side? Do you think that they would let that happen? It would be really interesting if that's the route this movie goes. It would be a surprise for some, for most, and me included. There is a lot of speculation that this movie's really going to twist everything on its head. And and at the end of this movie, Rey is going to be bad, and Kylo Ren is going to be redeemed. And then he's the one that's going to have to have a hand in trying to get Rey back to the good side. So... That would be really interesting, and it would be nice to see them uh, break the mold and not follow the template we're used to as they did with Episode 7. I would be for that. I just don't know if they would go that route because all those little girls that love Rey, you know, would they let her turn to the dark side? Would that be good for the kids? But, you know, we were very surprised with Rogue One that Disney went ahead and said, yes, kill all the main characters at the end. But that was what was best for the story. So it will be really interesting to see where Rey ends up at the end of The Last Jedi. All right, so from this scene, uh, it cuts to black. Then we get the Lucasfilm logo and and kind of that slower rendition of the Imperial March, that doom, 
dun, 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 like that. And uh, we get the overhead shot of Luke's island and Ray approaching him, handing him his old lightsaber, just kind of rehashing what we already saw at the end of Force Awakens. And now we get a quote from her saying, something inside me has always been there. And there's a pause between something and inside me has always been there. They might just be condensing words or, you know, trying to fabricate quotes. But anyway, that's what we hear. And that brings us to Ray wearing a cloak. She's walking among the rocks in a foggy ravine. I'm guessing this is still on that planet. And she's walking towards the remains of, I don't know, is this like a burnt out wooden structure? What are we seeing here? These uh, wooden spires or towers or whatever. I believe I saw this in some photos taken from the set of the movie months ago, but I believe if the fog were removed, this would be a tree that almost uh, reminds you of a cactus, the way it looks. You've got like the main trunk of it going straight up, and then you've got two side branches growing out horizontal, parallel to the ground, and then making a 90 degree angle and heading straight up as well. I think that's what it is. I think it's a tree. We are assuming that this is still on Octu. This is a part of her training with Luke in the ways of the Force. And it kind of does remind you of that uncertainty that Luke had when training with Yoda and going into the cave, you know? So I'm wondering if this will be something similar to that. Undoubtedly, it'll parallel Empire Strikes Back. I mean, we've already, to this point, we've seen uh, the walkers on a white planet, you know, and now we're getting the the training. We were kind of hoping they'd break the mold a little bit. Hopefully they will, but so far it seems very uh, on par with the original trilogy. So uh, inside, Rey steps over to a bookshelf with a single beam of light on it. Her quote continues, Then I was awake. And I need help. So this bookshelf with the beam of light, we saw this in the teaser. We think that maybe there's some connection to Journal of the Wills or some old Jedi text. Maybe stuff that predates the prequel trilogy. Maybe there'll be a new understanding of what being a Jedi or a Sith really is or what the Force really is. And uh, Rey will be the one that's taught. I don't know, what do you make of this? Yeah, just like you said, these are probably uh, Jedi texts that Luke has uh, scoured the galaxy for. Um, that he has found in old Jedi temples and he has preserved and collected together the knowledge of the Jedi of old. And uh, this will probably be a part of her training, learning from these books. We next get something we saw, I think in the teaser too, where we see Rey swinging the lightsaber. Uh, She's training. Uh, A beautiful distance shot on the rocks as Luke is looking on. We also get a shot where she's swinging the lightsaber and she stops like just shy of the rocks. It's kind of a nice mirror scene to what happened with Kylo Ren swinging the lightsaber at her and stopping just shy of her neck. Now uh, she's the one in control and not that person in uh, the vulnerable position. We, we next get a scene where the ground cracks open as she's kind of meditating. Then we pan up to Luke's surprised face as he's standing there. It's almost like Yoda was a little surprised with how strong Luke was in the forest when he was actually raising that X-Wing up. At first, anyway. Yeah, this... Uh... This is an interesting sequence here. Like you mentioned, Rey is meditating with her hands on the ground. We see the rocks floating up around her, which was also a part of the teaser trailer. But this is new, seeing the rock crack that she's sitting on. And he definitely looks surprised. Like, that's that wasn't supposed to happen <laughs> in, uh, in this training here, which kind of leads 
leads right into what we're going to hear him say next and again makes us think that he's talking about Ray, but maybe it's more misdirection. Yeah, because from, from here we get the close-up of her face. She's concentrating. Like you said, with the rocks, we get the scene again from the teaser with her hand touching the ground and the tiny stones floating around it. But we get Luke standing in the entrance of a dark cave or, you know, like a cave-like room in front of him on the uh, large empty floor. There was like a yellow seal or insignia in the middle of it. Uh, before we get into Luke's quotes and stuff, what, what did you make of that scene? Um, I personally haven't done too much research on that. I have noticed other people have uh, pointed out that seal and have maybe even tried to identify it. I'm assuming this is still Octu. This is, you know, where he's been living for who knows how long. And she found him at the end of episode seven. I'm assuming it probably has something to do with the Jedi. But beyond that, I'm not sure. Yeah, people think maybe it has something to do with like the tree, the tree imagery. That's going to be a big thing. And I think they started to talk about that stuff in Clone Wars briefly, like the Jedi's connection to the tree. I think Luke actually entered the tree in Empire Strikes Back, right? That's where he was having the the uh, force vision of his seduction to the dark side and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there were roots around where he dropped down into that cave. There were definitely roots. I'm not sure if the entrance was through a tree or not, though. So, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to make another parallel. I, ho I hope we don't get too many parallels. Anyway, uh, Luke says, I've seen this raw strength only once before. I'll skip ahead. He says, it didn't scare me enough then. It does now. Now, in between the words of that quote, we got a couple of scenes here. We see Luke's mechanical hand kind of bursts out of a pile of wood with burning embers and all this destruction going on around him. And then uh, after that, we see Luke fall to his knees next to R2-D2. He's watching what we assume is the new Jedi temple that he had worked so hard to establish is now just burning off in the distance. And we pretty much assume that it's Kylo Ren's doing. You know, that's uh, all told to us in flashback. And I'm guessing we're going to see more of this now in the second film. The lightsaber is going to do a little more chatting with Rey in this one. Yeah, I believe these two scenes are connected. I mean, you see right there when he drops to his knees with R2 at his side, there are piles of wood there, structures that were destroyed. We don't see wood as a building material too much in the Star Wars universe. So chances are this is all connected. This is probably when Kylo Ren turns on him and probably destroys the other apprentices that he had that were learning the ways of the Force. It will be nice to start putting those pieces together of what happened. Hopefully we'll see this scene in its entirety and not just as part of another Force vision. I think so. <laughs> or a dream. And it would also be cool to see the Knights of Ren that we've heard talk about and again saw very briefly in that force vision that Ray had. I just hope he didn't cut down that big tree just to make this thing, only to have Kylo Ren burn it all down. Like, oh, what a waste. All right, so from here we see Ray. Uh, she's leaning on the rocks with a concerned look on her face. They're trying to pose it as, like, in response to something Luke said. It's just probably a random scene. But from here, uh, we get a close-up of Kylo Ren's masked face as he's standing on a First Order elevator. And we got another shot in the elevator, Kylo Ren dressed in black. Now he's holding his helmet and looking down at it. And with his helmet off, we get a good look at his eyes here. And uh, we see he has like a Kevlar band-aid, a First Order band-aid. It's like a scar covering. 
Yeah, so this must be pretty early on in the movie, I would assume. And as we already know, episode 7 and episode 8 are very close together. This isn't what we're used to with the Star Wars movies and, and the anthology films, where usually there's months, if not years, in between the movies. But these are right back to back. And so he's still recovering from that defeat and from that lightsaber across the face that he took from Rey. So I don't think he'll be sporting this bandage the whole movie, um, but he is here. And it seems like he's having second thoughts about his identity, about whether he wants to continue to be Kylo Ren and wear that mask, or if he wants to move on from that. Yeah, and, and like you said about the the timeline here, I mean, we saw in the teaser, anyway, Finn was still kind of comatose and in that pod, so you would hope that that wasn't too long of a time. It's like, you know, he wakes up and it's like four years later. Like, oh no. But uh, yeah, so what you're saying about Kylo Ren here, he's very, very conflicted. You know, I hope he's not too whiny or moody in this movie, but the next scene right after this is him punching uh, his helmet into the side of the elevator. Remember in the teaser, we weren't sure. We saw his helmet crushed and kind of sm like freshly smoking. We weren't sure if that was like symbolism or something. But it looks like, yeah, he actually destroys his own helmet. Whiny baby breaking his toys. Yeah, like you said, hopefully um, we won't have to endure the temper tantrums again <laughs> from episode 7. I mean, they were entertaining. But I think we got at least two in that movie, so enough of the, you know, I'm upset, I'm going to ignite my lightsaber and, and destroy a, a computer or a chair or something. <laughs> It'll be nice to see him mature, even though, as we just said, it's literally days after episode seven. Right, right. All right, so from here we cut to a space battle. We see Kylo Ren is flying in formation with two other TIE fighters. Uh, he flies kind of uh, presumably into a resistant ship, these big ships. Uh, his ship is called a TIE Silencer. Uh, why? I don't know. Everything in space is technically silent. And here we, uh, I'll skip the quote because we'll get to that at the end of all these scenes. But we see Leia's face. She's standing kind of in a, a ship's control room. And they keep cutting back from her to Kylo Ren. And now the quote says, let the past die. Kill it if you have to. That's the only way to become what you are meant to be. And we cut back to Leia's face. Now, this is Kylo Ren talking. So what do you make of this whole sequence? Well, again, is it misdirection or is it straightforward? I mean, we see that TIE silencer, which is fashioned a lot like Vader's TIE fighter. Actually, it looks more like an upgraded TIE interceptor with those wings coming out to a point. Um, we see it flying in that ship. And as you said, the back and forth between him and Leia, it almost looks like his mission here was to target the, the vessel that his mother is on. And it almost looked like in that one scene where you, you see a schematic and it looks like he's targeting the bridge of a ship that the trailer is leading us to believe Leia is standing on. And is this the next step that Snoke has asked him to take? You've already killed your father. Now you have to kill your mother to make your your transition to the dark side complete. But I love, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Adam Driver as Kylo Ren in episode seven. I thought the mask should have stayed on longer personally, but I will give him props for this scene. 
where he's in the cockpit with his thumb on the trigger, he looks conflicted. You know, you see emotion on his face. Like this is a big decision that he is contemplating right now. And once again, we are led to believe that that decision he's contemplating is, do I kill my mother too? Yeah, it's interesting, like I was uh, like I was talking about earlier, where Kylo Ren is the one speaking. So what is he doing? Is he trying to psych himself up by reciting Snoke's advice? Or is this audio from something else where he's talking to somebody else? We'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, I don't know. This is interesting. You know, they, they like really mess around with the audio and the imagery here. And maybe this isn't quite what we think, but I, I think this is pretty much intact where he's, he's on this mission to destroy and he's very reluctant to do it. So from here, it cuts to black and uh, we get the words this Christmas. But just going back to, to Leia, what do you think they're going to do with Leia in this film? Here we see her in the crosshairs. I, before her untimely passing, I would have thought, well, maybe she's going to be around till the end. Do you think they would kill her off in this movie? It's really hard to say for certain. I had actually heard somewhere that before her untimely passing, they were going to have Leia play a major role in Episode Nine. As we discussed earlier, we're not going to see Leia at all in Episode Nine. There will be no CGI Leia. So there's really only one of two directions I feel like they can take with her character. One would be her dying. The other would be her going off like into exile, deciding it's too much for me. I can't lead the resistance anymore or someone talking her into it's too dangerous. You have to get out of here. I really don't see them going that route. Like, no. it, it, it wouldn't be believable for her character. Right. She's a strong female character. She's not just going to bow out and leave, and that's it. So that would only lead us to the conclusion that, you know, we saw Han die in Seven. That was the worst part of it for me. Now are we going to see Leia die too? That's the way I'm leaning, but I kind of hope not. Right. I know, me too. But yeah, like you, I don't see much else that they're going to do with this character. If they can't bring her back, she's, she might go the way of Han. Unless they freeze her in carbonite. Yeah, that could. <laughs> All right, so after uh, we see this Christmas, uh, the Millennium Falcon flies through a dark cave of red crystals while being chased and fired upon by four TIE fighters. Now, this, is, this could be Crate again. That would bring, presumably, Chewbacca and Rey on the same planet, the same place as Kylo Ren. Uh, I'm not sure if they, they meet up in this movie, but uh, that red planet, you know, when I first saw this, before I made the connection to Crate and the, like the mineral planet and all that stuff, I was thinking like, is this where they get the kyber crystals for the Sith? You know, is this why uh, Kylo Ren is a new lightsaber? Is this connected to anything? Maybe not. Maybe it's just used, like you said, red and black. Everything's going to be red and black in this movie, but beautiful imagery though. Yeah, like you said, this might still be Crate, and if so, it's it's probably Crate that we saw that earlier image, uh, the overhead shot of Kylo Ren with the troopers marching behind him. Volcanoes produce crystals and minerals sometimes, so perhaps all these images are from one planet, and uh, we might not be hopping all over the galaxy like we're used to. You know, it might right. just be Octu, Crate, some some scenes in space, and Maybe that's about it for this episode. Well, according to StarWars.com, they did some profiles like, what is Crate? What is the uh, the Praetorian Guard? 
There's also a place called Canto Bite, C-A-N-T-O-B-I-G-H-T. And uh, I'll just read you the profile right from the website. Located on the desert world of Cantonica, Canto Bite is a casino city and playground for the galaxy's ultra-rich. It is a place of both opportunity and high stakes, filled with casinos, racetracks, and other expensive distractions. So, we're gonna get a lot more than what we're seeing in this trailer, which is good, but like, like you're saying, are we gonna hop around to all these planets or what? I don't know. Yeah, and now that you mention that, um, one new character that we've been introduced to, but not in the trailer, is that of Rose. And I believe I did read something about her character being in a casino environment. So that's entirely possible that they're just leaving that part of the movie entirely out of these trailers and it will be something completely new to us when we're in the theater. So that'll be nice. Yeah, it would be nice because, I mean, I was thinking back to when we were going through all the Force Awakens trailers, and at the very end, we're like, all right, so how do you think the movie's going to go? And other than Rey being the one to wield the lightsaber, we pretty much knew, like, okay, Finn is going to defect. He's going to have a, a crisis of conscience uh, on some planet, you know, and defect from the Empire. And, you know, it's like, we almost were able to put it together beat by beat, you know, except for the the major things like Han dying and stuff. So, yeah, I'm glad there's some things we're not seeing at all here. Now, it could be from this scene, or it could be another scene with the Millennium Falcon, but we cut inside to the cockpit, and we see Chewbacca roaring. We pan over to see a Porg sitting next to him, which comically makes a trill sound as it screams, kind of like Chewbacca. Uh, now let's talk about these stupid things. Uh, the official information calls them small, flat-muzzled avians. And also mentions that they're inquisitive. They're also from, they're native to that planet that Luke is on. So they're inquisitive. That's why one went into the Millennium Falcon and ended up on this wacky adventure. So what do you think of the Porgs, Paul? Uh, they're the Ewoks of episode eight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just another toy for them to manufacture that kids will need for the holiday season. A plush Porg doll will be in every child's bed, but... And yours, right? <laughs> of course. But yeah, um, one of our friends was talking to me after he first watched the trailer, and this was the one thing that stuck out to him that he did not like. You know, just blatantly putting a character in there <laughs> just to make toys, make money off of, and give the kids something to love. But yeah, like you said, they're uh, native to Octu. At least one of them will stow away on the Millennium Falcon and will be there for some comedic relief, possibly, taking BB-8's role from Seven, and uh, I, I, won't, I won't utter his name, but uh, we, we know who the comedy relief of the prequels were, at least right. episode one. Right, that's what I was going to mention, is like, all right, so already Porgs are better than Ewoks and Gungans. I mean, we, at least we can give them that. Right? I mean, we'll see what, what happens. I, I don't think they'll be too annoying. I'll tell you, Porgs might be a good sign. Because Disney might have looked at this film and thought, it's this is too dark. You know, I mean, so far what we've seen, this is some pretty dark stuff in this movie. As we've seen with uh, Empire Strikes Back, that was the darkest of the trilogy. We assume they're going to try to do something similar here. So maybe Porgs are a good sign that this is a really dark movie. So we got to have something in there for the kids. All right, so we next cut to a scene in space where a fleet of these very sleek-looking ships, they fire upon other ships with green lasers. This cuts to a scene of Poe Dameron looking out of a window of one of these ships with the reflection of a large explosion near him. Yeah, Star Wars fans 
myself included, loved space battles. Um, <laughs> that is Star Wars, you know, and especially in Rogue One, uh, I love going back over and over again and watching all the space scenes from Rogue One because they did those really, really well. And I'm hoping they can live up to that with episode eight. We didn't see any space battles. We saw fighting over Takadana and then at the end over Starkiller base. But there's nothing like, you know, being out in the blackness of space and just seeing these small fighters as well as bigger craft going at each other. I just really hope, like I said, that they can do it justice and make it something exciting to watch. So, of course, Poe is back. You know, we knew he was going to be. We get a, a scene of him in his X-Wing cockpit, so he will be uh, at least some of the time in his signature ship. Although in the teaser, we saw kind of an explosion around it, so who knows if this is a, a new one. Poe's quote here is, he says, We are the spark that will light the fire that will burn the First Order down. So they're still called the First Order. This is not uh, the Second Order or anything like that. But yeah, a lot of space battles here. Poe Dameron's going to be right in the middle of it. Uh, similar to our other movies, you know, we have the the human characters, there's this other struggle. In the meantime, there's also a space battle going on. Right in this collection of scenes from space, one of the things we see is an X-Wing that looks a little different from what we're used to. And according to my research, this is Poe Dameron's new ship. It's a upgraded X-Wing fighter called an Incom Freetech T-70, codenamed Black One. And what's notable about this X-Wing is it has an extra engine, an extra booster right in the middle of the back of it. We're used to with the X-Wings, they have engines on the four wings, but this one has a booster pack right in the middle of the back. And according to uh, what I read online, that's to help him evade enemy fire. So at first, I thought it was just his light speed engine, but apparently that's not what it is. So it'll be interesting to see how they've modified this X-Wing and how it handles in dogfights. So of course, yeah. We were wondering, does his uh, X-Wing get blown up in that scene in the teaser? Yeah, so I guess it does. So they can make a new toy of his new X-Wing. We'll see what happens to that one in uh, episode nine. But uh, anyway, so next we, we get a very exciting scene here. It's our first look at Captain Phasma, fresh out of the garbage. Uh, with sparks and explosions, fires behind her. She's wielding a long, sharp staff. Opposite her, we cut to Finn. He's awake. He's dressed in a dark, imperial-looking uniform, holding an electrical staff, almost similar to the one we saw him fight against with a lightsaber in uh, Force Awakens. And uh, the two of them are, are fighting amongst all of this destruction. This almost looks like that shipyard we saw in the very first scene of the trailer. Yeah, you're right. It does look like that a lot, actually. As we look at the, the paused image there, you can see on the right, it looks like there's AT-ATs on fire. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So it looks like uh, the Resistance is holding its own in this battle against uh, the First Order and has perhaps struck a major blow. We knew that their fight was not over. You know, Captain Phasma got dispatched so quickly. And that was like a Lucas thing, too, where he would introduce a character, like, real quick to be used more in the, the next movie. We expected, like, why would they get such a big-named actress as Gwendolyn Christie, put a helmet over her face, and then just, like, throw her down the chute, like, so easy without a fight? Like, you knew she had a much bigger role in this whole story. So, yeah, in this fight, 
Finn is yelling, come on! And we see their weapons clash. Um, we get a, a nice uh, quick cut to the reflection of the clashing staffs in Phasma's helmet. Now, we cut back to the large-scale space battle. Ships are crashing, exploding. We get a brief shot of BB-8 here. He's getting zapped. He's in the back of Poe's X-Wing in the midst of the battle. So, once we're done with this space battle, we get a very interesting scene here. We see Luke. He's We're not sure exactly where he is. This might be still his planet, but he's on the dark, wet ground saying... This is not going to go the way that you think. So what do you make of this scene? It could be Octu, uh, especially we'll see an image later um, with water and Ray and Luke. So you almost want to make a connection between this scene and that one. But I think this is possibly more scenes from Kylo Ren's turn to the dark side and this looks a lot like that image we saw during Rey's force vision where Kylo Ren was there with the Knights of Ren it was raining there were bodies all over the place that's what I think this is a scene of is Luke talking to Kylo Ren after he he turned on him yeah yeah definitely same same look like you said rain darkness That'd be interesting, because we didn't get too much dialogue in her last Force vision. So I'm wondering, is she going to get, like, whole scenes? Because there's so much we want to know about what happened. And, uh, oh, okay, we have to talk about this, too. In the middle of Luke's quote here, this is not going to go the way that you think. We get this scene here. These are, uh, snow dogs uh, running towards the Resistance base on the Mineral Planet crate. Uh, snow dogs, for those who don't remember, that was a movie starring Cuba Gooding Jr., which, if you remember, is also produced by Disney, so they have the rights to use snow dogs as they like. No, but what are these? These are like mineral wolves or something. What are these things? You gotta catch them all, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> it really looks like a, a Pokemon. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It's some kind of creature, you know, fox-like, wolf-like, has a... Tall, pointy icicle ears. Looks like it got dipped in water and then thrown in freezing temperatures. <laughs> you know, just spikes coming everywhere, crystalline spikes. But apparently these are creatures that inhabit this planet of crate that the resistance is on, that the walkers are approaching, and they're fleeing this. I'm guessing they're probably not... Uh, intelligent creatures that we won't hear them talk or anything. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, again, uh, s- something to make toys of and make millions of dollars off of. And if you notice in this scene too, that giant door is closing. So these animals might be like cave dwelling things or something. And so, you know, they're fleeing back to their, to their hole before the, uh, the door closes on them. Now, also, we see, and I'm guessing this is still that base on Crate, uh, we see a person in what looks like to be a gray or brown cloak looking out at this landscape from the inside. This is probably Leia, because then we cut to a close-up of her face. She's looking down and away. Maybe she's sensing something. Maybe she's hoping for someone to return. Or maybe, you know, like we said, could be Kylo Ren here on that planet with her at the same time? Maybe that's what she's reacting to? But uh, I also saw Vanity Fair had a series of covers. I think it was either Vanity Fair or Empire had a series of covers with a lot of these characters. And Carrie Fisher was in a, a costume just like we see here in the distance shot with the, uh, the, the cloak and kind of like the weird collar that comes up. Yeah, like you said, it definitely looks like these two scenes are together, that she is on the planet of Crate as these doors are closing. Again, reminding us of Hoth 
and as they had to close the doors at night, and she was mournfully standing there, wondering what would become of Han and Luke. But as we see this close-up of her, with her face turned toward the opening, I can't help but think that she senses the presence of her son, and uh, is saddened by his turn to the dark side, of course, but he's coming for her, probably, and we'll see what happens after that. Alright, so right after this scene, we get this underwater shot of Kit Fisto, no, it's Ray, diving under the water, emerging in front of Luke. Luke is kind of standing there, kind of scary looking, you know, it's dark and, and misty. Uh, wh what is this? Is this a force vision, or is this one of those tests like Luke had? Is she gonna cut down Luke and see her own face in his place? I mean, what is this? It's tough to say, Scott. Again, <laughs> like like I said, you know, it is very similar looking to to that shot we had earlier of Luke um, that we assume is him speaking to Kylo. Again, we have fog all over the place, just like when she was heading toward that tree. So it's got something to do with her training, whether this is in a force vision or it's all really happening. It will be interesting to find out. So from here now, the music is starting to pick up. It's getting really serious. And uh, Supreme Leader Snoke starts a quote with the word fulfill. Aside from this, our next scene is Finn being led by troopers down a corridor on a base or a ship. This still could be that place where we saw like the shipyard, the manufacturing plant. Presumably this, because he's going to fight Phasma in this place wearing that costume. Uh, but he's wearing an Imperial uniform. Is this what they put on their captives, or is he trying to infiltrate again? I guess I'll lean toward the latter, although you do see a stormtrooper marching behind him like he is in custody. I'm not sure if he and the character of Rose go undercover, you know, to that planet you were talking about earlier with the casinos. Maybe it's their intention to get caught, or maybe they somehow infiltrate the First Order. And that's what leads to him being in this location and fighting Phasma, you know, destroying that ship from the inside. It'll be interesting to see what put him in this situation. And right after this, we get another shot inside that giant base, that, that plant with all the ships. And now we see, in addition to all the ships in the background, we see like a whole bunch of members of the First Order, all kinds of troopers, officers... Uh, a couple of TIE fighters, walkers, the AT-ATs, ATSTs, the whatever, the AT, all the different ATs. <laughs> but there's all kinds, there's even guys, troopers that look like sand troopers with the uh, the orange shield over the uh, the right shoulder. I mean, what what is this? Is this a, uh, a whole display of force here? Is this where they're leading Finn in front of all these guys? It's funny because StarWars.com has a profile and a picture of the... Uh, execution troopers with a black stripe over one of their eyes and this special electrified weapon. I mean, are they going to try to kill Finn here? I mean... Yeah, tough to say. I think the the um, troopers that have the orange, I believe that's some kind of designation that they're like the leader of their group. If we look at the group right in the middle there on the left, we have regular stormtroopers. We have one with an orange shoulder pad and then one with a gray one. But then on the right side, that looks like the flame troopers that we saw in episode seven, burning down the village on Jakku. And then if we look to the far left, I believe those are the snow troopers that we saw on uh, Starkiller base. Salt troopers. <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, other than officers in black 
and maybe some TIE pilots there. And of course, TIE fighters flying through this docking bay, AT-ATs, ATSTs, as you mentioned, Chicken Walker there on the right. This definitely, again, is that same location that we opened with that Kylo Ren was overlooking. Those These two scenes might be connected, or they might be at very different times in the movie. We'll have to wait and see. Cutting away from this, we next get the First Order ground assault on Crate as the walkers, TIE fighters, and all the ships move in, including the shuttle there. And uh, we get a little more of uh, action here. Uh, we kind of seen in the teaser where all the speeders, we actually know now that those are called ski speeders, uh, those kind of rickety ships that were kind of crashing on their way out that were scraping the ground. Those are the resistance ships coming up against these walkers. And now we get a little bit of action between the two sides. Uh, we see uh, the Resistance fighting back and destroying a TIE fighter. The, uh, the Star Wars official uh, docket on uh, the, the speeder says that they are an older design predating the Rebel Alliance. Uh, these low-altitude, high-power ski speeders use a stabilizer strut to keep balance when zipping across alien terrain. So, you know how they said that this is an old outpost? I mean, this is a really old outpost. I mean, this predates the Rebel Alliance, which we saw form in Rogue One, which is what, 30 years plus before this? So these are old ships. That's why we weren't sure if they were inexperienced volunteer pilots or why they were crashing as they're, they're coming out of the gate. So, you know, they're just throwing everything they could possibly throw at, at this wave of the uh, First Order. Okay, so continuing Snoke's quote, we hear, your destiny, so fulfill your destiny. And we cut to a close-up of Snoke's face. Uh, his right hand in this scene is stretched outward, partially obscuring his face. He looks more human. Of course, granted, we're not seeing the hologram version of him, which looked really bad, even by, you know, CGI standards. Uh, here, obviously looks more human. We see that he's wearing a black and gold-colored robe. Uh, from far away, it looks more mustard-colored. I actually saw the Pop Funko figure of Snoke, and it is like a mustard-colored robe. But yeah, much better here, and I'm glad they improved on his look, because I know that was a source of a lot of fan criticism of The Force Awakens. And this cuts to a very dramatic scene. Rey suspended in midair, on her back, screaming. Uh, this is some sort of room here that Snoke is, it's like his control room or his cockpit of his ship, whatever. Uh, we see some triangle-shaped lights on the metal floor, red walls, com some computerized things in the background. Uh, also in the scene, we see, like you mentioned before, his guards, the Praetorian guards, or the elite Praetorian guards, all dressed in red, just like Palpatine's royal guards. So a ton of Sith uh, Empire imagery here, but uh, instead of our protagonist meeting the ultimate evil in the third movie, Rey is going to meet Snoke in this film. Yeah, this is a really dramatic and interesting shot. Very telling as to, you know, what is going to happen to our hero, Rey, here. We see that these shots definitely seem connected. We see the gold robe in the background of Snoke. I'm not sure if it's just me. I don't think... Ray is uh, fully levitating off the ground. It kind of seems like her legs are, you know, down and her feet might still be on the floor. Um, I don't see them, you know, stretched out in front of her. So I don't know if she was standing there and Snoke is using the force to pull her and she's resisting or if he's using the force to push her and she's resisting. I believe I, I read somewhere where some people are wondering if 
Snoke is just looking for these powerful force users and is somehow going to absorb their their force ability to maybe sustain his life. I don't know if that's what he's trying with her here mm. or what, but it is a very intense scene. Shiari had to go through Kylo trying to read her mind in Seven. This doesn't look like it's any more <laughs> enjoyable. So I feel bad for our heroine here, but uh, we'll see what's going on. And it'll be really interesting to see, you know, Snoke and Rey and what happens when they get together. Yeah, so many mysteries yet remain. But one big answer, he's not the size of Yoda, like we thought maybe was the case, you know? That would have been a, a funny gag where he was, like, really small and projected himself to be this huge, seated figure. So that that's one thing we know. He's probably about average size. But that's interesting. I didn't hear that about absorbing other life forces, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, sounds like Darth Plagueis the Wise, you know, discovered the secrets of life. Mm-hmm. We still don't know who he is. That's what, that's kind of a, a weird thing. I'm hoping it's not like, you know, oh, well, you know, when Maz Kanata found Luke's lightsaber, she also found his severed hand and the the Sith found it and made a clone and that, you know, it's like, oh, come on. I don't know. That, that would be, it would be cool if he ended up being Palpatine's old master, who I think in the books didn't quite die like Palpatine thought. We'll see. We'll see what they do. I kind of feel that Everyone will be disappointed no matter what now at this point. Same thing with Rey, who she really is. I think everyone will be like, oh, Big's Darklighter's daughter. Oh, man. You know, or if she's nobody, it's like, she's not related to anyone. You know, it, I, they can't win, I think, in some of these. I almost would rather she not be related to anyone, though. Yeah. It doesn't have to be all about family connections. It's a big universe. You know, other people can be force sensitive and wield the force. So um, I wouldn't be too disappointed if we find out, oh, she's not Han and Leia's daughter. She's not Luke's daughter. You know, she's just <laughs> someone. But uh, I don't know that they'll go that route, but I wouldn't be disappointed. It, it'd be uh, better than just the coincidence Eight movies of lots of coincidences, you know? All right, so now we get to our big scene at the end. You know, right after Rey has this, you know, traumatic event we see in this confrontation with Snoke, the music reaches a crescendo and falls completely silent. And we cut to black for a long time. And the music softly picks up, you know, a couple of piano keys. And we hear Rey say, I need someone. And then we fade into a close-up of her face as she continues to show me my place in all this. And this cuts to a reverse shot of a close-up of Kylo Ren's face, then to a shot of him extending his black-gloved hand outward to her. The music builds, we cut to black, and then the title of the movie, Star Wars The Last Jedi. So what do you make of all this? If we were to assume that the trailer didn't take shots from different scenes and mix them together, what are we seeing here, Paul? What do you think? Well, I think that's exactly what they did, especially <laughs> in this case. Uh, of all the things we've talked about throughout this podcast and all the possible misdirection that we've had, I definitely believe that this is misdirection. To me, this looks like two different locations. I really feel like Ray is talking to Luke at night, you know, in that cave on Octu during her training. She's telling Luke that she needs to know her place in all this, as he's telling her about her abilities. 
possibly about her heritage, if that comes into play. But then we see this scene of Kylo Ren. We see fire coming down out of the sky. Not sure where exactly that's happening, but I definitely don't think the two scenes are connected. If he's reaching his hand out to anyone, I'm going to guess it's his mother. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard that one yet. Could it be possible that she is having a force vision and is, you know, talking about she needs to find her place in all this and she sees that vision of the temple burning down and the figure of Kylo Ren extending her hand out? Could this be the parallel to Luke being seduced by the dark side in the form of Darth Vader? Could that be what we're seeing here? That might explain the embers falling from the sky. It's possible. Anything is possible. But uh, I feel strongly about my ideas for now. No, I, th- I think, yeah, they make it so vague, you know. That's uh, We're doing exactly what, what they want us to do, is spend time talking about it. So we, uh, we get Star Wars The Last Jedi, December 15th. Tickets available now, so uh, how many tickets do you have, Paul? I currently have 29 tickets <laughs> for opening night, 7 p.m. Oh, man. Uh, the 2D showing, once again. But, yep, I me and 28 friends are... Going to see the very first showing on Thursday, December 14th. Hopefully more will join our crew before all is said and done, but we're really looking forward to it. We want to pack the theater with as many of our group as possible. (laughs) All right, now, as we're kind of ending this trailer here, we got the, the title Star Wars The Last Jedi. Now let's quickly talk about the name of the movie, what you think it means. At first it was pretty vague, Uh, Vanity Fair tweeted out something that said, you know, we asked Ryan Johnson what the the title of the movie means, and uh, he's not telling us, you know, and he tweeted, replied to them uh, with a tweet immediately, it's Luke. So, what do you think, Last Jedi? Does it mean he is the Last Jedi? We know he is. Does that mean there'll be more? Or will there be something new? Or does it mean he dies? What do you think? Well, uh... Also, it was pointed out that during the crawl, the opening crawl in The Force Awakens, it said, Luke Skywalker, The Last Jedi. So, as was brought out by others, Jedi can be singular or plural. So, it could be speaking of one individual or many. I'm leaning toward Luke is the last Jedi. Remember, in the teaser trailer, he had the line, It's time for the Jedi to end. So I believe that through his research and through his experiences, he has found that it's not good to have these extremes of dark and light, of Sith and Jedi. And he thinks the best thing for the galaxy is perhaps something in between, perhaps something new altogether, but something that is not called a Jedi. And that's possibly what he is trying to train Ray to become. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. And I'm going to show Paul something for the listener. Have you seen this cover? This is uh, Star Wars, the comic, uh, the original comic, volume one, uh, number 49 from July 1981. It's entitled The Last Jedi. Have you seen this issue? Yeah, I think you showed it. To, I think you uh, texted it to me a couple months ago. Mark Hamill tweeted out something about it, like, don't read issue 49 of the comic. You know, so many spoilers. and It's a joke. It's about a uh, stick-wielding alien named Jedediah who, like, suffers some, like, head trauma in a spaceship accident and, like, thinks he's a Jedi and he's, like, waving a stick around. It's a really dumb story. 
but this is going for a lot of money on eBay. I don't know, people think that this is like, oh, this is the source material. It must be worth a lot of money, but I just thought that was pretty funny. That a Star Wars property has used this title before uh, in just some small way. So also notable about this trailer is the absence of some of the new actors. You had already mentioned Kelly Marie Tran, who plays uh, Rose Tico, is her last name, T-I-C-O. Uh, no first looks at Laura Dern, who plays Vice Admiral Amulin Holdo, and Benicio Del Toro, who we now know is playing a character named DJ. And uh, speaking of uh, Kelly Marie Tran, her as well as the uh, elite Praetorian guards are in the new poster for the movie. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. I'm also personally looking forward to seeing the bigger role that they gave Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord. Uh, she's supposed to get more screen time, and I'm assuming lines as well. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Here, here's the here's a look at the poster. A lot of black and red imagery like you were talking about. What, what do you think? Yeah, it looks really cool. I, I like the look of that with, with Luke hovering over everything. And, and that brings me to one other thing I wanted to mention. I didn't really think about this too much until just recently, but thinking back to Episode 7, Harrison Ford reprising his role as Han Solo, it was really believable to me. I think he did a really good job, and I'm waiting to see how I feel about Mark Hamill playing an older, wiser Luke. Hopefully it will be just as believable. Mark Hamill's an amazing actor, especially with his voice acting, but I think he'll do a good job. He's really into Star Wars, has embraced being Luke Skywalker and plays it up with all the fans, which is cool. But uh, hopefully he does a good job reprising his role as, as the Jedi Master. Yeah, like you are saying, the voice acting and stuff, he's really built like a really good career. Like even though we don't see him in many movies or TV shows. His voice acting is like really what he's known for, you know, since Star Wars. Another thing I wanted to show you, some people see Darth Vader's face in this poster. Oh yeah, I guess I can kind of see, uh, it looks like a triangle there with Leia's head and yeah. Poe and Finn and the eyes would be Rey and Kylo. Yeah. Uh, just interesting. I don't know. Could be unintentional because they, they, they do try to arrange them neatly, the, the portraits and the posters. Anyway. But that brings us to the end. You know, that's that's our that's our look, our second look at this movie. Not sure if we're going to get much more after this. Are we going to get any more trailers, international trailers, you know, hidden looks or ABC specials between now and December 15th? And will we break them down on this podcast? Well, that's yet to be seen. But if you need more Star Wars content to hold you over, please check out some of our other Star Wars related episodes of Hitting Play in our archives. As I mentioned earlier, Paul and I, as well as Hamish, we did an in-depth breakdown of The Last Jedi teaser. If you haven't listened to that, go back and uh, listen to that because that has more scenes connected to what we just talked about. We also have a very lengthy breakdown and scene-by-scene discussion about Rogue One. We also had one about The Force Awakens that was even longer. It's still our longest episode to date. I'm surprised Paul did not fall asleep during that. That is three hours. Uh, Hamish and I also broke down an old episode of the 1980s animated series Star Wars Droids featuring C-3PO and R2-D2. And in this episode we talked about, they face a fearsome space pirate named Kaibo Ren. You heard that right, Kaibo Ren. And uh, yeah, we get into it in that episode. Uh, Paul and I also broke down and reviewed the entire first season of the 2003 Clone Wars micro series. That was really fun. We got to finish that, do volume two some one of these days. 
Uh, if you want to hear about something more on the silly side, we also covered the Star Wars Holiday Special. We had to. We had to force ourselves to watch it. Or if you really want to try something different, Paul and I also did two special episodes that sync up as movie commentaries. Uh, one for Star Wars A New Hope and one for, yes, the last time I'll say it tonight, Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. So, anyway, there's hours upon hours of content there to choose from, along with our many other episodes, so check them out. Alright, and that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, things we missed, I'm sure there's tons, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com, or you can talk to us on Twitter at hittingplay. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, I'm at mcandfriends, on Instagram, mc underscore and underscore friends. So you can check my stuff out there. Uh, if you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you'll get a shout-out on the show. You can also tap to rate five stars, but for some reason, the reviews really help us. Uh, for Android users, we're also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio, as well as the Google Play Music app, so check us out on those platforms. Uh, if you have a Roku device, you can get the TuneIn Radio channel and set us as a favorite, and you can stream them right through your television and there's also a way to make us work on uh, Alexa-enabled devices, too. And if you really want to help us out, you can buy a Hitting Play t-shirt or other merchandise with our logo on our Spreadshirt store. That's shop.spreadshirt.com slash hittingplay. And the, uh, the link to that will be in our episode description. Well, we have been Paul and Scott. This has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. May the Force be with you. <laughs>